Good morning. My, my name is Austin Royal, as Stephen Lee just prayed for me. Um, I'm the REF campus minister at Austin P, and I'm, I moved here three years ago with my wife, and she was pregnant then. We now have a 16-month-old daughter named Lindley, uh, who's awesome. Um, my wife was the woman who read the scriptures earlier. Um, but we, yeah, uh, I'm, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning, uh, getting to open God's word with you. And I just, I want to thank you for supporting our ministry, for caring about uh, what we're doing at Austin P, and, and for praying for us. Um, please continue to do that. Uh, this morning we're going to look at a passage uh, from the book of John. It's actually John 1. Uh, and this is a passage that uh, I talked with some students about earlier this week. So at REF, uh, we're going through the book of John. And at the end of the book of John, uh, John says this about his book. Uh, the second to last chapter, he says, This book was written so that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, we're going to talk about life this morning. What brings you life? I want you to think about that as we read our passage. What in this world brings you life, makes you feel alive? Uh, so with that, let me read God's word from John 1. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone, let's skip down to verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let me pray for our time. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, beautiful words of life. Uh, thank you for gathering us here this morning to hear those words of life. And I pray that they would ring true in our ears, uh, that we would find life in Jesus. Uh, please show us what that looks like, what that means this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Uh, when we moved here, we purchased a house. Um, it's actually right by Richard, which is kind of funny. Uh, but we, we had this back deck that looks over about an acre of land, and it's grass, and it's trees, and there's trees that line our yard. Um, so we have a, a lot of wildlife that comes through our yard. Um, and... One day I was sitting out there and I was watching the birds kind of playing, feeding on the feeders, I was watching the hummingbirds, 
And I just realized that they're constantly fighting with each other. Um, and then I looked at the trees, and I saw them overgrowing each other, like limbs growing weird places, growing down instead of up, trying to find a source of light. Um, and then I looked down at these flowers I had planted weeks before, and there's these weeds that are like growing on them and like literally wrapping themselves around it. Um, and, you know, as I sat there, I was just thinking about it, like, all these things are grasping for life. They're, they're trying to find the source of life, whether it's food, shelter, sunlight, everything that is alive is grasping for something that will make them feel alive, that will keep them alive. Um, and if you think about it, like, that's kind of like the basic human instinct is preserve yourself, uh, keep yourself alive, do whatever it takes uh, to stay alive. Uh, and the reality is, if, if you don't trust your source of life, if your source of life does not ever satisfy you, you will keep grasping somewhere. You will try to find life somewhere. Uh, and the reality is, is usually when we do that, when we grasp for life, places we can't really have it, where it can't sustain us, we start to look like the hummingbirds. Uh, we start to look like the birds who fight over a couple of seeds because they think this is the only thing that will bring me life. Um, and John 1, it, it tells us Jesus is the source of life. Uh, he is the author of life. Uh, later in the book of John, he tells us in Jesus, you can find life abundantly. Um, and the thing is, I don't think we really believe that. Um, and I think God knows we don't really believe that, uh, which is why we have this passage here this morning. God telling us who he is, and because he's the source of life, telling us what he came to do for us. Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about life um, in three ways. One, Jesus is God. He's the author of life. Jesus became a man, and then finally life in Jesus. Uh, so first, uh, Jesus is God, the author of life. Um, if, if you look at the passage, uh, John starts his gospel in a pretty unique way. No other gospel begins this way. Uh, he says, in the beginning, and if you remember those words, if you remember the book of Genesis, those are the first words in Scripture. In the beginning, God created. John wants your mind jumping back to the beginning of time. Uh, and he, what, he wants you to think, who was there? Not just who is there at the beginning of creation. What was there before? Uh, he takes us all the way back to the beginning so that we will be thinking about who was there before. Because this is what he said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's something there that was with God, and there's something there that was God. He's saying there's two things that were there, but it's really just one thing. Um, what existed before time? The Word and God. Uh, and, you know, this is shedding light on traditional Christian doctrine of the Trinity. God is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but the Word, the one by all things were made. Look at it. It says, all things were made through Him. All things were made through the Word. Uh, John wants us to understand the author of creation, 
is also, it's a word, and God spoke it. So think about this. You best reveal yourself when you speak. Uh, I, was, I was in a dining hall uh, with a student this uh, past week, and this girl walked by that we knew. Both of us knew who she was. Um, and I said, oh, I know her. It's a girl I talked to multiple times uh, over the past couple weeks. And the guy kind of like glanced around and said, oh, yeah, I kind of know her. And I was like, looked at her, I was like, what do you mean you kind of know her? <clears throat> um, and he proceeded to explain that although he knew her name, uh, he knew what dorm room she lived in, um, he was in a group me, which is a social platform that kids use these days. Um, he had never spoken to her. And, and that's what he says. He said, I know her, but I've never talked to her. And then he says, so I don't really know her. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. He didn't feel like he knew her because she had never spoken words to him. Even though he knew her name, knew where she lived, knew multiple things about her, she had never spoken to him. And I think you can relate to that. Like, I know there's a lot of people here that kind of know who I am, but I've probably never spoken to you. Um, so do you really know me? Like, you can say things about me. And I, I think we can do the same thing with God, where we, we act as if we know him, um, but have we actually allowed him, let him speak into our lives? <clears throat> um, and what, what God says is, my word, which is Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate self-expression of who I am. It is the ultimate way I have revealed myself, that I have spoken through a person, and that person became man, which we will talk about later. But Jesus is the ultimate self-expression of who God is. It's the way he's revealed himself. And the passage even tells us that. If you look at verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, speaking of the word, who is at the Father's side. He has made him know, known. We know who God is by looking at Jesus. Um, and here's the thing. There, there's a reason that that's important, because there's a lot of ideas floating around about who Jesus is. Uh, he was a great teacher, a little bit better than all the other guys, so we should listen to him. Or he's a really moral, like upright guy, had a great code of ethics, we should probably follow what he did. Or he was this guy who was really powerful and just got a bad lot in life, uh, and people crucified for him, crucified him for it. But um, here's the problem with all those things. If, if Jesus isn't God, you can't find life in his name. If, if Jesus isn't God, he can't really help you. Like, we need more than a good teacher. Uh, we need more than a code of ethics to follow. We need someone who can bring us life. That's what John wants us to see. Jesus can bring you life because he is your creator. Um, when we moved here, I've already told you about our house, it, it, it's ended up having a lot more problems than we thought it would, which some of them are well documented around here. Um, but the, the thing is, I don't know anything about houses. Like, I know nothing. Um, and so when we've had issues, like, what do you think I've done? I've had to call someone from the outside in to help. And who have I gone to? I've, I've gone to men, men in this church, who build houses, men who create homes. And the reason I did that is because they know how they work. They know how they're supposed to work. They know what they're supposed to look like on the inside. They know what foundations look like. 
They know what cracks in foundations look like. Um, those things can make you really scared if you don't know what they are. Um, but I've gone to the source, the ones who know, the ones who create houses to know what is wrong with mine. Because Jesus is God, because he's your creator, he knows you better than you know yourself. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He designed you. He knows how you're supposed to work. He knows what's best for you. He knows where help can come from. He knows that you need life and also knows that you go and look a number of other places for it. And it raises the question, uh, do you right now need a source of life? Need a life-giving refuge? Need someone you can turn to who can actually help? Um, or are you okay where you are? Like, is life kind of okay? You're kind of getting by. Um, and so, I mean, maybe, maybe some better questions are, is, is where you're spending your time, what you're involved with, the places in Clarksville that you trend towards, are those places that, that bring you life, or does it lead you further towards darkness? Do, do those places actually suck the life out of you? Does where you spend your time actually suck the life out of you because you are just like the birds, you're just like the weeds, where we are trying to satisfy ourselves, grasping for something, looking for life somewhere, and it's not satisfying us. Um, as you think about that, hear words of life from Jesus. Jesus saying, I will bring you true life. I am life and light, and I have shown myself into the darkness, and it is so much more beautiful. Will you look at me? Um, it's the author of life telling us we can find life in him. Leads us to our second point. Uh, Jesus became a man. Uh, Jesus, he knows the darkness. He knows the places we would trend towards and trying to find life. Um, and it doesn't stop him from coming. Look at verse 14. It's the climax of the chapter. It says this, And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, as we've already said, is Jesus. The Word became flesh. Jesus became a man. The self-expression, self-revelation of God took on the DNA of a Jewish baby boy and came into the world. He made himself dependent on food, the creator of it. Uh, he put himself in harm's way. He made himself vulnerable. And notice the language used. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Some of your texts may say tabernacle among us. Um, but the Greek word there is very, um, yeah, John used it on purpose to remind us of the book of Exodus. And the tabernacle there, um, it actually mean, means like, it means tabernacle, it means dwell, but it means building a home. Like, he, he pitched a tent among us. And so our, our minds are intended to be drawn back to the book of Exodus where God has rescued the people from Egypt, brought them out of slavery, um, and says, you are my people and I'm your God and I'm going to dwell in your midst. And he says, build a tabernacle. Build a place for my presence. Um, and the reason he had to build a place for it is because they were an unholy people, and he is a holy God, and there has to be distance. Um, 
And what you see throughout the Old Testament is when people like try and get a glimpse of God, either they're struck, um, you know, there's a couple instances where the people don't actually die, even though most people die when they see God. Uh, some of them don't die, um, but they're, they're like struck with glory in a way that, um, yeah, we probably couldn't understand. But Moses, Isaiah, Isaiah uh, but, but here's the point. Uh, God says, build me a tabernacle, I will be in your midst. And no one sees him. You, you, we couldn't see him. But he tells people who he is. Um, in the Exodus 34, it's, it's the first time God says, hey, this is who I am. And this is what he says. I'm the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Um, you know, I'm sure there are words and phrases that you will recognize because the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful. You see that throughout the psalm. You see it throughout the Old Testament. It is the way God says, hey, this is who I am. This is how he tells, reveals himself to his people. Um, but here's the thing. That, that was thousands of years ago. And then centuries later, centuries of people later, uh, God comes and says, hey, this is who I am. My self-expression is my word, and that word is becoming flesh. Why? Why would he do that? I think for a couple reasons. One is he knew, he knew we would not believe him. He knew he could speak words and say, this is who I am, and we would never believe him. We would never believe God is like this, that he is the way that he is. And so to show us, he became a man and lived it out in front of us. Um, and it tells us two things about him. He, he actually comes in love, uh, and he comes seeking a relationship. Uh, God becoming man lets us know when he says, I love you, I am gracious and merciful, he actually means it. He put himself in harm way to sh harm's way to show you how much he loved you. God becoming man also lets you know healing, life, change will come through relationship. Uh, ha have you ever thought about what it means to get involved with something. Getting involved is both risky and costly. Uh, it's why some of us, like, we don't get involved with stuff that we don't have to, because we know it will take, our involvement with something will take resources. It will take time, energy, money. Um, involvement is costly. Like, think about a war. Um, think about the number of wars we've been in over the last decade or two, of, like, the war on terror and <clears throat> terror and Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, the places that we have sent troops uh, over the last couple of decades. Someone has had to decide the value of if it's worth going in. Is the risk and cost of going into that country uh, worth the outcome, the good that will come from it, um, the money spent, uh, the resources used up, the men and women whose lives are in danger, the people that this affects back in the States as well? Is it worth it in the end? Um, Jesus had to ask that same question. Is this worth it? Is it worth going in there? Uh, going, coming into the world? And the, the obvious answer is that it is a resounding yes. The cost, the risk factor, did not outweigh the good of what could come from it. Um, so he jumps in. Jesus jumps in, takes on 
the body of a man. Um, but here's the thing. What, what did he look down and see from heaven? Uh, when he was weighing the costs and the risk, what did he see? And I'll piece a couple of these pers- that verses together, but look. He, look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. He looked down and saw darkness. Uh, look at verse 9 through 12. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He, he saw a world that didn't care. He, he saw a world that had no clue, no care in the world about who Jesus was. Um, then it says in verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Uh, just think about that for a minute. Like, God, Jesus didn't see a bunch of people who would be excited about him coming. Like, he, he saw darkness. He saw people that didn't care. Uh, he saw people that really wanted nothing to do with him, uh, and that is who he came for. Uh, and I think maybe we will begin to value Jesus as a life source, uh, a place of life, when we can actually admit uh, that we don't always really care about him. We, we aren't really that interested. There, there are so many things in the world that draws our attention. There are so many other things uh, that actually lead toward darkness that we're a lot more interested in. And I think until we can actually say that and be honest with ourselves, like, we're not going to care about Jesus. Um, and it really goes back to, what are you putting your hope into? Because until you start putting your hope in Jesus, uh, you're not going to seek life in his name. Until you realize your hope has to be on something outside of this world where you have to find life in something outside of this world because nothing here is going to sustain you. Uh, you're going to try and find life other places. I, I kind of mentioned this verse earlier, but John 10.10 10 says, the thief, speaking of the evil one, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. What if we actually believed there was abundant life in Jesus? Um, I think it would change us. That, and that leads us to the third point, that life in Jesus. Um, what does that mean? What does life in Jesus look like? And, and John says, you want to know God? Look at Jesus. You want to know who God is? Look at his self-expression, the word made flesh. And verse 12 says this. He says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Children of God, born of God. That's one of the things that you can step into with life in Jesus. A child of God who's been reborn by God, who's been given life. Um, And I think, yeah, one of the ways that I think, as, as I've thought through this, trying to apply it in my own life. Life and the promises of God, the promises of life, they're not simply found on a page. Black words on a page don't change people. Um, It's found in a person. And so it's like, what if we actually started thinking about the Bible, God's Word, as a person? Um, God's Word, it tells us it is living and active. Um, So think about this. People believe a lot of things about the Bible. It's, it's a list of rules. 
It's a code of ethics. It's motivational stories about people. Uh, it's, present, you know, it's presentation of heroes and all the cool things they did. Um, what if we didn't read our Bibles looking for wise sayings or checklists, but we read it looking to hear God's fatherly voice speaking to his children, saying, this is who I am. Relating to you, saying, this is what I'm like. This is what I love. This is what I care about. And we just sat and listened and realized as we did that, we were relating with the living and true God. Um, I think when, when God reveals himself most prominently through a person, and that is what this text says, it's also what Hebrews 1 says, that God has spoken most clearly to us through a person. Um, he wants you to imagine what it would be like to relate with that person, to relate with him, to bump, to bump into him at work, to walk around these church halls with him, relating with him, talking to him, seeing how he relates with other people, seeing how he deals with other people that he works with. Um, he, he tabernacled. He's made his presence among, amongst us. He's, he's built a tent right here um, because he wants to be in relationship with us. And I think God's word understood correctly equals a vibrant relationship with a person, someone who is living and active, someone who challenges you, a friend who calls you out when you've done something stupid, uh, a friend who moves towards you who you know is wiser than you and you allow them to speak wise truth into your life, someone who encourages you, who shows you compassion, someone who offers you mercy and forgiveness. But that is what the Bible does. That's what it offers. Those are the words it speaks, and it's because Jesus is speaking through the word. Um, I think that could change the way we think about our time with the Lord and how we approach Scripture. Um, but life in Jesus is also defined by children of darkness becoming children of God, uh, him making them new. And it and, and all goes back to this. If you, if you look at verse 16, it's um, from him, we, from his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. The, the Christian life is life lived as a child of God through the grace of God, that you are given unmerited favor, nothing you could ever earn. And that grace is intended to change you. And if this is what God is like, if, if he moves towards people with love and grace, who he knows don't care about them, who he knows their life is messy and broken, if, if that's how God deals with us, don't you think we might should be doing that with other people? That maybe as we are changed by God because of his grace, we might actually want to show it to other people. Um, and here's the thing. God went out of his way to do that. He came down from heaven to live, to love, to care for us. Uh, we don't have to go out of our way. The broken, messy chaos of the world is all around us. It's in our homes. Uh, it's at work. It's in our neighborhood. It's in these four walls. People that are messy and broken. People that need relationship. People that need to be cared for and loved. Uh, and I, I think part of this is, as we see Jesus clearly, we will realize grace changes us to want to love people that are hard to love. Uh, and finally, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, life in Jesus means healing, change, life come through relationship. It, 
comes through a relationship with God. Um, there, there was a Catholic priest named Father Damien, and I think he was alive in the 19th century. Um, but he moved to Hawaii, um, where there was a leper colony. Uh, and so this colony of lepers, they were gathered together because leprosy is a very contagious um, skin disease. They had to quarantine them away from everybody else. And this guy who didn't have leprosy went out there, uh, Father Damien, he's, uh, and he went and took care of these people. He, he went to a place where people went to die to try and bring, bring life. And he did that in a number of ways. Um, he loved those people. He bandaged their wounds. Uh, he embraced them. He built houses. He built roads, churches, buildings there. He, he, he turned this place uh, that people went to die into a place where people could actually live. But it was about midway through his ministry there when, when things changed. And they changed for a reason. Father Damien was preaching, and as he addressed his church, he began the message with, we lepers. We lepers. And, and when he said that, everyone there knew that Father Damien had become one of them. He fully understood them and could relate to them in every way. And when that happened, it clicked for everyone else. Uh, and from then on, it Things were different, and the thing is, Father Damien didn't change. He, he stayed the same, helping, serving, loving, until his death. But everyone else there changed because they knew someone had moved there to love them, to bring them life, and it had cost that person everything. They had given up everything to come and love them, and the lepers in that colony began to change. Uh, Jesus does the same thing with us. He has left heaven, crown, glory, the comforts of heaven to come and live life on this earth with us, to take on the body of a man that he knew would die, take on the body of a man that he knew would suffer, experiencing the same pain, the same turmoil, loneliness, fatigue, all the things that we struggle with, all the things that are hard for us. Jesus understands. He knows what it's like. Um, all of that except for he didn't sin. And in that, he still knows what it's like to bear our sin on a cross because he took that to the cross. So what we see with Jesus through his life and his death, that he takes all our pain, he takes our suffering, he takes our punishment on himself, and he did it out of love. Um, I think as we think about that, the God who became man, the word who was made flesh, the self-expression of God lived out before us um, because he loved us and because he knows it was through relationship we will be healed. I hope that we will go and find life in his name. Um, pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for these words of life. Thank you that you, the author of life, the one who spoke truth into the world, who revealed yourself through words, didn't just stop at that, uh, but you came and lived among us. Uh, Lord, uh, we are in all of that, um, cannot fully understand it, uh, and yet I pray that we would put our hope in it, um, that you are who you say you are, that you are a loving God who's compassionate and gracious, who's slow to anger. Um, Lord, as we question you, as we struggle to believe that you're real, I pray that we would look at Jesus, uh, and as we look at Jesus, as we ponder 
what it would look like to be in relationship with him, uh, that you would make us alive. You would give us life in his name. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.